0: This is Kan Shu the Podcast, episode three hundred and seventy-eight for the week of April fifth, twenty fifteen. What up heya os welcome to Kan Shu,
1: the podcast.
0: An extension of the all-encompassing Dragon
1: Ball fansite. What is it again? Oh, oh, no, Kansas. Yes. Kanzenshu. That's
0: right. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Julian, sir, how are you?
1: Well, you know, I'm pretty good. I may have kind of gone and seen a movie before anybody (laughs) else in the English-speaking fandom.
0: That's right. How's it feel?
1: I feel special, and I'm amused and somewhat dismayed at the firestorm of uh, vitriol that it seems to have unleashed. Yeah, good job, man. um, I enjoyed it.
0: So we got Julian there. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Julian, uh, you're actually getting ready to move. And as things are in progress, I guess. Uh, it turns out, yeah. like, something's not recording really well on your end, so for the first time in years, I'm actually recording the Skype call. So, apologies in advance, but it sounds pretty good right now. Well,
1: I'm glad to know that we have a working backup, and I have no idea what's going on on my end. It just causes me frustration. <laughs> but hey, no Robo Julian this time. I'm, I'm sorry to those of you who are looking forward to it.
0: Well, on deck this episode, uh, if you can't tell, we are going to be talking about Fukatsu no f revival of f resurrection f it will be julian's first review just like we did with battle of gods where we did uh, a first review then later on everyone gets to see it we do another review but we got to say we have news to cover ahead of time and we will give a very very clear break when you can stop listening if you don't want to hear those spoilers and that's the plan this week
1: yes so about news uh i apologize to everyone for not keeping up especially with the movie website, there are a huge number of tie-ins that are going on that I'd I'd love to cover in depth, but unfortunately I have had zero free time to cover them in. But uh, I hope you will be glad to hear that I'm spending lots of time with my family.
0: Yay, we all glad to hear that.
1: that's uh it's gonna come first that way yes but on the bright side there seems to be relatively little at least thus far fingers crossed in the way of textual material from people involved with the production i'm sure that will change once the movie is out and we have that special exclusive theatrical booklet that's coming but uh for the time being my my um My job of translation is I really should get around to finishing stuff for Battle of Gods. (laughs) We'll get there.
0: Uh, So ahead of all that, before we get to the news, we do have to say today is Akira Toriyama's 60th birthday. What an exciting day.
1: Yes, Kandeki. He's completed the 60-year cycle of the Chinese Zodiac.
0: And so what happens next?
1: Uh, It gets to start over, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, we in particular don't have anything uh, super exciting to celebrate this. All of our effort went into the Dragon Ball 30th anniversary back in November. So I guess if you want to go back and read the magazine again, or if you haven't read it, you can read it for the first time, DB30 years. It's the latest feature on the website. Uh, Julian, what's Peking Duckman up to in celebration of Toriyama's Um, 60th birthday?
1: Well, he's been doing a lot of stuff that I'm not sure I'm necessarily authorized to talk about. That's quite fun. yet
0: there's a lot of retweeting going on that's been fun
1: yeah well he's sort of the nexus of a lot of the dragon ball fandom in kansai and just he seems to be uh, a sort of place where um i don't know what you would say a lot of people go to because he's got all these webs of connections because right. he's been in the fandom for so long and he have got he's got so much stuff so but there's tons of fan artists and Uh, Just fan fans who have been drawing pictures and making stuff for the day. And it's been sort of heartwarming to see across the entire day.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of really great drawings. It's not all Dragon Ball stuff, too. There's been some Dragon Quest some Dr. Slump been a lot of fun to see. I mean, we're so Dragon Ball centric. We forget about all the other work that he has done over the years. Yeah, Dragon Ball was the biggest thing, but Dr. Slump's what made him a household name and he's done a lot of video game work, too. So cheers to the man. Check out all that stuff. Uh, Before we get to the news, I guess the only other thing I want to say, in case you missed it, uh, if you do subscribe to the podcast, you would have received this. I recorded the first of what was going to be seven blogs with our buddy Chris Kerbifer uh, leading up to the debut of the new movie. There's been a few more since then. He's had Moscow X from Team Four Star. He had Kyle Hebert from the Funimation cast. Uh, he's had a couple other people talking about a variety of subjects relating to Dragon Ball. So I kicked that off with him. You can check that out uh, in our feed or uh, on YouTube is where he posts those, youtube.com slash Kerbifer. So that's some more podcast material. If you're looking for it, Julian, shall we cover some news before we get to movie review stuff?
1: Okay.
0: Well, it's all video game news right now. Uh, I yes. guess that makes sense. The universe is still going strong. Uh, we do know that pack two of the DLC is due out this month. It's going to have the three-star and the four-star dragons from Dragon Ball GT. We will get Mira and Toa playable as characters. Kind of crazy that they weren't playable in the base game. It's like this little extra thing they give you for free, but you have to pay for it, even though it's already on the disc. Kind of weird. Not sure how I feel about that. Mm, Uh, You get some new outfits, some new masters, uh, a lot of good stuff coming there. And then pack three, which was just recently detailed in V-Jump. That's where Jocko is going to come in if you did not get the first pressing in Japan and we have not gotten him internationally. You will also get Frieza from the new movie and again, some new masters, new outfits, and all of these come with a couple uh, story mode quests and parallel quests. All that jazz. So more Universe DLC on the way. If you picked up the season pass, all this is included with it. So when it comes out, you just uh, head on over to your respective online store and download the stuff. Whether that is PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, or Steam. And it'll be there waiting for you. If not, they are $9.99 a pop. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of it for Xenoverse. We get all the DLC detailed and the sales kind of fell off the media create and Famitsu lists, But it did really well and seems to be still selling. Relatively strong for a Dragon Ball console game, especially in 2015. Now, Julian, Extreme Butoden is on the way in Japan. Very jealous. Uh, we're going to have to talk. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to need you to bring me back a Japanese 3DS because I'm pretty sure the Region 3 exploit was broken in the latest uh, firmware update from Nintendo. Ah, uh, so
1: well, a shame. I know.
0: I haven't updated yet, and I want to get some new Theater Rhythm DLC on my American account, but you can't get to the store unless you do the firmware update. I don't want to do the firmware update because I still want to play my Japanese games. Arr! But... um. I think one of the reasons why I definitely just might just have you bring me back a Japanese system is that there's a demo coming and you can't get to the Japanese store unless you have a Japanese system. Um can we kind of go over what's going on with Extreme Butoden? What has uh, V Jump detailed for us lately?
1: In the uh May issue of V Jump which came out last month in March, that is. So we had some details about the demo of the upcoming game uh, Extreme Butoden. Next month's um, June f- 2015 issue of V-Jump will have a code for a demo of the game, which you'll be able to play for free, and it will include four playable characters, Son Goku, Son Gohan from the Cell games, Vegeta, and Majin Buu, as, and there will also be eight support characters. Now, um, you'll also be able to carry over some previously saved data into the real game, Uh, and save data from the demo uh, will allow you to both carry on your progress and enable you to play as Goku and his outfit in his outfit from the upcoming movie. And uh, also, if you have save data from Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Edition 2, it'll also enable you to use Super Saiyan 4 Vegeta uh, as what appears to be a Z-Assist character using his final shine attack. So that's pretty cool.
0: It is pretty cool. And so there's a couple things there why uh, I think I need that, <laughs> that Japanese system. We will work out the payment on,
1: on that. Well, if you pay for one for me too, you know. Uh, I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> if you pick up
0: the first pressing of the game, that will also get you Frieza from the new movie. Uh, so there's a variety of extra things. But Julian, we also detailed, this is the first time Dragon Ball's really had it to this degree. There's a whole slew of retailer-specific uh, sort of bonus things for the game. They're all Z-Assists, and we don't need to detail them all, but it's crazy. It's all the the evil dragons from Dragon Ball GT. It's like, you go to Lawson, you get something. You order from Amazon, you get something completely different, and it's just, man, Dragon Ball is finally in the modern era where we have to deal with all this crap, and to get a complete (laughs) game, you have to not only have downloaded the demo and played a previous game, but even if you do all that, you still can't get all the Z-Assists from all the different stores. I have to imagine they'll put them up for sale later. Uh, like they've been doing with Xenoverse where um, Super Saiyan 4 Vegeta will probably go up for sale later. Jocko is included in the DLC
1: pack, all that kind of stuff. Yes, congratulations on buying the game. Would you like to buy more game? Yep, Dragon Ball, welcome to the modern era. Sorry. But uh,
0: the game's looking pretty good. Did you check out the recent promotional video? We haven't updated with it yet. We're, again, a little behind
1: on stuff, but it's looking super sweet. It's looking pretty crazy in the kind of stuff that it does, yeah.
0: I'm psyched for the game. And and the last thing for Extreme Butoden. We were very excited to hear that pre-orders, first pressings will come with a downloadable version of Super Butoden 2, which was actually included as a part of J Legend Retsuden uh two years ago, 3DS compilation, bunch of old jump games. And uh, it yeah. looked like it was gonna pretty much be exactly that version ported over. I mean the menu, the border, it all just is the J Legend Retsuden version. Julian very big difference coming here, though.
1: Yes. So those of you who are familiar with the musical stylings of a certain Kenji Yamamoto, a.k.a. monolith, a.k.a. hyper monolith. A.k.a. Uh, Ken's, what else we got? Yes. I think that's about it. I think that covers yes. it, Yes. Yeah. He, he had a habit of uh, taking other people's work and either slightly altering it or more or less doing it as is and then passing it off as his own. Which was maybe easier to do 20, 25 years ago, back in the heyday of Dragon Ball, but, you know, global um, environment now. And he kind of went too far in Dragon Ball Kai and started ripping off current movies that were still in theaters in Japan. People noticed.
0: And so Super Butoden Two was always the one that did it for me with Cell's theme basically being a new arrangement of, a think, Floyd's song. And I don't know if there are other songs in the game that are also plagiarized. It's just that's the one I happened to notice in my life going about my days.
1: I think uh, Kay's been putting up a lot of uh, things recently, actually. Like certain characters' themes are based on the entrance themes for Japanese wrestlers at the time.
0: <laughs> it's a lot of weird stuff that Yamamoto was doing. So uh, unfortunately, that oh, music is being ripped out of the downloadable Super Famicom game here. And we don't really know what they're going to replace it with. It's going to be something. A lot of people are questioning like, man, so are they going to make new Super Famicom styled tunes that would work as if it were a real Super Famicom game? Or will it be totally updated and out of place against the old 16-bit graphics we we don't know yet what it's gonna be i'm very curious julian do you i mean they put out j legend resident two years ago and it was totally fine as is do you think this yeah. is an indication that they plan to bring it abroad but even thinking about it that way when uh dragon ball ds2 came out it included Within the cartridge, a port of uh, Shenron no Nazo, The Legend of Shenlong, the first Famicom game, which we actually did get released in the U.S. as Dragon Power. But our Dragon Ball DS2, Dragon Ball Origins 2, didn't include that bonus. I could see, I mean, we don't know yet if Extreme Butoden is coming out internationally, but if it did, they could just not include Super Butoden 2. So I'm not sure why all of a sudden, just two years after most recently leaving it alone, why now?
1: I don't know. Perhaps it's an indication that uh, his standing yeah. is slipping, perhaps. Even maybe more. Maybe they've started to notice the very blatant things that people have been picking up on for years. Yeah, yeah. That even, I mean, there was Kai, and Kai was very obvious, but there were some other things that maybe people just didn't notice at the time because it was a more isolated world back then, but right. still.
0: Well, there was them's always- the breaks. So I think that brings us to a close with news. <sighs> Here is your break point. From here on out, we're talking about the new movie, Fukatsu no F, Revival of F, Resurrection F. Full on spoiler territory. Julian's seen the whole movie. We're going to do a review from his perspective. We're talking as if you know everything. We do have a full synopsis up on the website, an even more detailed one is coming soon. Here is your point. Stop listening if you do not want to know possibly every in and out of the film. We are full on spoiler. Let's go. So, Julian, the first preview screening for the film was March 30th. You sent in a whole slew of contest entries, and it didn't work.
1: No. <laughs> but I obtained tickets through other means, and then I went to the screening, and other people were there, like Peking Duck and the basically the main Osaka crew. Yeah. The, the author of the Dojinshi Dragon Ball Psy was there. Nice. Yes, and uh, he he drew a sketch of uh, Goku and Vegeta hand-in-hand hand from the movie, which <laughs> nice. was retweeted on Twitter, and it was fun.
0: So it was kind of like a who's who of Japanese Dragon Ball fandom. Everyone made sure they got there.
1: Yeah, basically. Nice. Uh, it was it, it was fun. I got the Frieza-flavored popcorn from the concession and settled down in the seat. It was a pretty cool experience. The only thing that was kind of disappointing is that unlike Tokyo, which had the cast greeting, mm-hmm. we didn't have anything the lights went dark and it just went straight into the movie I don't know I was kind of hoping they could do some sort of like live link or something but yeah yeah No dice.
0: All right. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know how much background we want to give on the films. We've talked about it so much. Uh, We have to acknowledge Toriyama wrote it from the beginning, unlike Battle of Gods, where the script was given to Yusuke Watanabe, and then Toriyama came in and threw out, from what we're led to believe, pretty much everything. (laughs) Save (laughs) like the two main concepts. I don't think we're ever going to know what the full extent of his rewrites were, but it sounds like it was a ton. Uh, Very different, Toriyama being responsible from the start here and then we have Tadayoshi Yamamura an animation director character designer yes. coming in as the flat out director of the film for the first time ever so from yes. those two standpoints uh, how did the movie feel Compared to Battle of Gods, I guess.
1: Well, I'd say the script was very much Toriyama. Yeah. In that you can't think of it in terms of plot. You can't think about it in terms of continuity. Well mm. you, you could, but as some. I've I've seen, <laughs> it, it it invites um, Chaos. Right. What you need to think about it is in the moment. You need to examine the way the characters interact with each other and how entertaining it is as a work. And in that, in that respect, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of little things where you think, well, what about this thing? Well, what if they did that? And why didn't they talk about this? Well, it's Toriyama. You don't worry about that with Toriyama. Toriyama's purpose is to give some people something that's entertaining in the moment, and he doesn't care if they forget about it as soon as they walk out of the theater. Yeah. And in that respect, I think it it really succeeds it's entertaining it's fun it is what it is and as long as you don't think too hard about it which and i know we we uh, our site is premised on thinking too hard about it but you know don't don't worry so much i mean there's people who get all sorts of bent out of shape about how powerful this character is supposed to be or don't don't be that person please
0: if you go into this movie thinking that way you've feel like you're just immediately setting yourself up for disappointment. So you got to go from this is how you were describing it to me is that the movie kind of lives by the interaction among Goku, Vegeta and Frieza and specifically with the voice actors there.
1: Yes, I think the performances are really what carry the movie. And it's those little interactions and in the way they play off of each other that really sells the the entire thing. And it makes me curious as to how an English double will do, is whether they'll be able to pull that off. In fact, it it points. It was I I could almost imagine myself closing my eyes and sort of listening to it as a kind of a radio play almost. Mm. It was, it was that reliant uh, in, in some places on the dialogue, which is kind of strange to say about a Dragon Ball film, but that's what it was. It was very much that sort of thing.
0: In the way you're describing it, being in the moment and not necessarily worrying about continuity stuff, and he's included in the film, it reminds me a lot of Jocko the manga itself where it was such a wonderful self-contained story and there were a couple things where it's like oh that doesn't quite fit in even ignoring the Goku's age kind of stuff but things like well no never really mentioned tights and Bulma and when she's supposed to be in school that doesn't really you know jive with the original but if you take it as the standalone wonderful story it just worked so well in that regard. And Jocko really excelled because of the interaction among the characters. So would you say the new movie is kind of a parallel to that, just with the straight-up Dragon Ball cast?
1: Well, I absolutely think that. I mean, there's little nagging things that if you really know your stuff, you might not be entirely able to put out of your head. But try. Try to examine it on its own merits, and then if you don't like it afterward, then okay. But uh give it a chance. That's all I'm saying.
0: I wanna I do wanna stick with a couple of those points though. The name the main thing, namely being the kids, Goten and Trunks, and they do a little hand wave where it's like, oh, we left them because they would cause too many problems. Yeah. I, I don't buy it, man. Like they they really should be here in some regard. I mean, we're talking yeah. about how many hundreds upon hundreds of soldiers there are I mean, sure. I guess it would be similar to movie twelve when they're dealing with yeah. uh, the dictators' foes, but right, th- they could be doing something.
1: Right? Why not? Why not have number eighteen on the battlefield? Get a babysitter for Maron. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I mean, she she's strong. She's powerful. I mean, apparently they they are aware that number seventeen is alive. So why not contact him too? I don't know. There's a lot of little things like that. But Did
0: they just not want to have any more characters? Because let's talk about who's on the field here. So correct me if I'm wrong. So ignoring Goku and Vegeta, we have Kami Kamisenin, the Turtle Sage. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. Bulma, who's kind of just there talking. We have Jocko. We have Tenshinhan. We have Kududin. We have Piccolo. And we have Gohan, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Right. But remember, every time you add a character, you add a personality, you add their connections to other characters, you have to add in the way that they fight, it would get to the point where you'd be really weighing down the movie up front with a lot of stuff. And it's probably a pragmatic thing, too, because, well, what do Goten and Trunks do when they get into a fight? Well, first they, they horse around until they're out of their league, and then they fuse into tanks, and then they do the same horsing around until they either screw up royally or they split back into the original two people. Yeah. What, what else can we do with those characters? Have they matured? If they have matured, are they still interesting characters? Because, well... Trunks being more serious is kind of like future Trunks, but he doesn't have the tragic backstory and it would just be him getting his act together.
0: Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, well, that's not my job. That's your job, Toriyama. Come up with something convincing.
1: I I would have liked there to be just a throwaway scene that showed them either playing video games or sleeping through the whole thing. Just, Oh, wait, where is everybody? Sort of thing. But yeah,
0: which is what I actually expected. You've heard me talk about it a few times, and not that I don't love Tension Han, I absolutely adore him. But it really did feel like a strange choice of Tension Han and no Yamcha, no Chaozu above the kids, and maybe they wanted one less Saiyan on the field. I don't know, but something mm-hmm. about the group didn't. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, it's the kind of thing, too, where I have a feeling, especially with the way that the first half of the movie proceeds, it really feels like um, the way that the narrative jumps around. And Mm -hmm. again, it could be Toriyama's writing style because he tends to jump around, too. But it almost feels like they cut out a lot of sort of initial setup in order to get to the showpiece fight later in the movie. And that could be budgetary. It could be time related. It could just be, I don't know, because they want to do an extended version later. I don't know.
0: Yeah. You're, you were telling me that you felt like you could almost script out what those extended scenes would be. Uh, would it almost entirely be in the earlier parts of the films? Uh, from my yeah, understanding, basically. like, Frieza gets revived, and then we don't even see what this training is. They just talk about it, and then, well, it's time to go to Earth, and let's get things going. We don't
1: see this stuff. You don't get a clear sense of time passing at all Yeah, in the beginning of the film, but apparently about half a year passes, hmm. according to Piccolo. So it, it feels like there's a lot of sort of things that would have, I don't know, explained that better that aren't there. And there are certain scenes in the companion manga which don't, entirely get replicated in the movie itself, and we're not sure if that's Toyotaro inserting things to make it flow better on the page, or whether there's actually things that he saw that got cut out at a late stage. It's right, it's right. unclear.
0: Yeah, he may have seen what were these narrative jumps and said, uh, maybe I can flow this a little better.
1: Maybe, but it's it's something that sticks out to me, and it, it makes me curious as to what the future for the movie holds in that respect. Yeah, I can almost imagine them doing an extended version, just like they did for Battle of Gods in the exact same way.
0: Uh, we're talking about all the characters on the field and they're fighting. Um, you said choreography is a really big thing here, so, so tell me yeah. about that. Um, does everyone get a chance to shine? Are they doing well? Does it
1: look good? It's fun. Uh, I, I think it, the the, sh- the fighting is probably the best of the animation in the movie. There's some really awkward CG at points across the movie that really stands out, and I wish they hadn't used Some of it looks like it's probably for 3D effects, but since I saw the 2D version of the preview, Mm, I don't know. In general, however, I'd say that the animation shines during the fight scenes, and I think that's where Yamamuro proves his worth, because having come from a background where he actually, he was a Buddhist monk and he studied martial arts, he knows what he's doing in that respect. Unlike some of the animation supervisors in the series, which... Um, tended to rely on looped animation and didn't always do things that were physically possible for characters with human physiology. Mm, Uh, The kind of fighting that goes on in the movie is quite realistic and well choreographed, which impressed me. Um, I thought it was really good. I just wish that the rest of the animation in the film was held to the same standard. Uh, I think a couple of people on the forums have commented that Yamamoto's downside is that he tends to be pretty weak in the way he composes scenes. Mm -hmm. Things tend to be kind of flat and there's not a lot of sense of, or or use of distance or angles and that sort of thing. And again, that could be, uh, I I, I kind of felt like that too. I mean, it it could be a a time and also money saving measure because those more interesting scenes also tend to be more difficult to animate. But uh, I did feel like um, it was at its best during, during the battle scenes and probably at its worst when people were just sort of doing stuff and there were crowd scenes and mm. miscellaneous things like that.
0: Well, that's that's really interesting, because we're talking about all this fight stuff, and earlier we were talking about how the dialogue among the three characters makes it shine. Goku and Vegeta aren't even a part of all this stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so where are they, what's going on, and when do they get a chance to even join in on the fun?
1: Yes, well, they're off training uh, at Beerus's place with Whis. Apparently they bribed him with food. So they're training, and of course they're unable to touch Whis because he's way above all of them. And he tells them their weak points, which is kind of a bit of foreshadowing towards the end of the film.
0: Yeah, there's two key things of foreshadowing. It's what their weak points are. And oh, by the way, I can turn back time.
1: Yeah, so that's a, a big what? Uh-huh. Okay, okay, that, that's a really big reveal, and...
0: And clearly this will be used later.
1: Yes, well, okay, well, this would allow them to create despair while also having an out. Uh-huh. <laughs> but eventually, Beerus wakes up, and he accidentally destroys a planet because he sneezes, and... Oh but my gods,
0: Beerus Planet Buster, confirmed!
1: Well... Right, anyway. Well, he he threatened to destroy the Earth in the previous film. Well, that's so. true. Anyway, um... But Julian, you gotta
0: talk about feats that we have seen on the
1: screen! Okay, well, he tries pizza for the first time, and he enjoys it, especially the cheese. But he's angry that we got to try other things because this is not the first time. cheese buster,
0: cheese buster, done.
1: (laughs) Are you trying to redo the April Fool's episode? A
0: little bit. (laughs) anyway I'm, sorry, I'm such an ass about this but i can't help it yes. all right
1: yes continue. but eventually eventually the oracle fish gets Weiss's attention and points out the fact that he has not noticed a message from bulma right which is kind of important about somebody being revived and coming to earth
0: so what what from me reading the synopsis she makes a sunday and just kind of is like "Weiss, hello
1: yes <laughs> she, she makes an offering for him in the form of a strawberry sundae and basically holds it up to the sky, going, Wee sun." That's great. Um, well, Jocko was there too, back on Earth. Because- All right.
0: So let's let's pause because we'll get back to these main characters. It sounds like they're not doing anything; they're just hanging out there, talking and training. Um, Jocko comes in, and we get a little interaction at Capsule Corporation and stuff. Yeah. Does Jocko feel forced? Because that was gonna be my biggest concern. Because I can see him working well, but did he feel forced in?
1: Forced in? I I don't think so entirely. It gives a reason for Bullmont to know that Freeze is coming uh-huh. when nope. Nobody else does. Okay. Uh, they don't explain who he is. You kind of have to know and you, you have to be aware that Bulma has an older sister because they don't explain any of that. Why, uh-huh. why, why she knows him and, and why he's heard from Bulma's older sister that uh, apparently she knows the person who defeated Frieza and all this other stuff. Well, apparently they've been in contact. That's that's the big the big takeaway from here is apparently they've been in contact recently enough for Tights to be aware that Bulma knows the person who defeated Frieza. Okay. So she's she at least survived the Saiyan onslaught. There we go. Got it. But anyway, um, yeah, he he shows up. Uh, there's no explanation given for who he is you just kind of have to know but in
0: And it sounds like you you get it. It sounds like you get who he is over the course of him being there. Like there's yes. mentions to the Galactic Patrol and isn't, yeah. isn't there a jab about like aren't you concerned about the science and shouldn't you be arresting Weese like that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, he finds out that there's two powerful Saiyans who happen to be. One of them is the wife of Bulma, or the wife of Bulma. Yeah, one <laughs> of them is the husband of Bulma, and she and he basically thinks, "I'll well, pretend I didn't hear that because Earth is in my jurisdiction." Right. So it's it's very much the Galactic Patrol looking the other way at things that they can't deal with. Right, got it. Okay. Um, he, You very much get a sense of his character and who he is over the course of the film but there's no introduction. He just, he shows up at Capsule Corporation arguing with the receptionist because he needs to talk to Bulma and the receptionist doesn't want to let in this weird mask-wearing guy.
0: So do his interactions with the rest of the cast feel natural? Do yeah. You, it, 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 does he even really get introduced to anyone?
1: No, not really. Uh, He and Krillin share a funny interaction while they're both fighting with other with uh, the soldiers. Gotcha. Creed basically says something like, "Uh, I don't know who you are, but I'm glad you're here. And Jocko says, well, I don't know who you are either. And, And he says, well, I'm an earthling. And he says, Well, you're you're too powerful to be an earth thing and your face is weird. The lack of the nose. Got but it. then again, Jocko looks weird too. <laughs> He's <laughs> an alien.
0: So Jocko is absolutely spitting out Jocko dialogue from
1: the sound of it. yes so if he, you're a fan he, of him. He is himself. It's Toriyama at the helm writing the character that he created. He and knows he Jocko. just
0: wrote, yeah. So that's that's yeah. good. All right. Um, I want to take it away from Jocko and back to Goku and Vegeta here. Um, they've been off training. Um, now Whis gets this message that is back. So they decide to go take care of it. Like, is that really it?
1: Well, uh, they have to figure out how to get there quickly because um, it's too far away apparently. And then Bulma shouts at him just to look for Freeze key because that is very large. And he goes, Oh, okay. It, it's, after that, it is very much focused on the fight, uh, the, the showpiece fight, which goes through several different stages and in involving Goku and Vegeta and certain power-ups you may or may not have heard of. Right. But yeah, after that point, it is pretty straightforward, which is why it felt almost like they were rushing towards that. It needed to spend more time on build-up in order for that to be a better payoff. I mean, the fight itself was fun, but in terms of the plotting of that part, it, it got rather thin once that started
0: you mentioned it we have to talk about it we got to talk about the blue hair which is not really given a name or anything i mean we have golden frieza uh, but we don't have whatever this blue thing is how did goku describe it uh
1: he says well basically it's uh super saiyan with the power of super saiyan god
0: okay sure and then that's pretty much it right yeah (laughs) and oh by the way fujita uses it later too with no real Explanation or anything. And I think that is a valid concern. I'm not into the power discussions. You know, I'm not. And I'm a little more lenient than I probably should be about continuity stuff. But for me, that's a really like, but we just had this whole previous movie with it was such a big deal that everyone donated to Goku and his physique changed so much. And here it's just, hey, we're blue,
1: I guess. I guess. And, well, it doesn't say it's more powerful than Super Saiyan God. It doesn't say, like, the Super Saiyan version of Super Saiyan God. Mm. It says it's Super Saiyan that has the power of Super Saiyan God. Well, does that mean that it's just as powerful as Super Saiyan God? It's just a different look? Did he like the color blue better? I don't know. I don't know. Did he just look at the fan art and decide, oh, that looks nice too?
0: It's another thing where I'm just,
1: I, I guess, I don't really like this part, but I'll go with it for now just to see where it goes. Couldn't the red hair have worked too? Or could Frieza would, would have confused it for the Kaioken and gone, oh, I've seen this before, and then go, you know. Hit, hit in the face or something.
0: Uh, let's talk about Frieza a little bit before we get back to the the two main characters. The golden Frieza, it kind of is what it is.
1: It's funny. It, it is what it is. It's it's very much... It, it, it's implied that Frieza sort of chose the color for himself yeah. to make it easy to understand. Like, it's not clear how he does that or what exactly... It grants him other than being even stronger than his regular self.
0: Whatever. I mean, it's a new transformation. Okay. Okay. I I think it's elevated a little bit by a line that Vegeta delivers later, which is something like what was it you probably as soon as you attained this form came rushing right over thinking you were all badass but we can see what the weaknesses are and you didn't even do it properly that that does feel like frieza to me where he's so spoiled and doesn't even know what he's getting himself into that yeah you transformed but okay
1: yes it's something he's not used to the form yet, so it's sapping his strength because mm. he's he's working to maintain it the entire time. So even though he starts out, after he gets it, he starts out really pummeling Goku, he, he gets weaker as the fight goes on and eventually the tables are turned because he's just, he can't keep up the same level.
0: So uh, let's talk about the the fight between him and Goku and maybe Vegeta a little bit here. Is it just, like you were saying, a kind of straightforward fight against person person thing?
1: Kind of, I mean, and especially uh, the early phase of the fight is Goku versus Frieza in his regular fourth form is mm. pretty one-sided on the side of Goku. Like, Frieza can barely touch him. And then Frieza transforms, and then Goku transforms, and Goku's having a hard time.
0: So it's the usual setup, yep.
1: Yes, but then Frieza is weakening, and so Goku regains the upper hand, but then this gets into real spoiler territory, as Goku stands over a defeated Frieza, uh, the backup plan that they discussed earlier goes into effect, and uh, Sorbet shoots Goku through the heart with his ring, because Goku was off his guard, not paying attention, just like he was at Wisa's place, and that's how Vegeta gets the excuse to come in.
0: Right. And there's a sensu there though, like the last sensu, so oh, Goku's yeah. okay anyway. Like, do the stakes not feel like stakes?
1: Kind of. I mean that's the way that Toriyama plays though. He doesn't yeah he doesn't want things to get too dramatic. He he has fun making things entertaining and not necessarily Ah, uh, what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, and I mean think about how far we've come in the series we've already had the earth destroyed and we're going to have it destroyed
1: again here but
0: just what are stakes in Dragon Ball (laughs) what does that question even really mean oh
1: oh Goku's going to die well I guess they'll just have to bring him back with a set of Dragon Balls yeah
0: so what could the stakes be other than maybe Goku loses and sure we'll destroy stuff too but so was that all a setup to give Vegeta his moment
1: at times it felt like it and there's this funny misunderstanding that happens where uh, Vegeta gets impatient during Goku's fight and he starts he comes up and then he starts fighting against Goku because Frieza can barely touch him and basically says well I thought you were going to give me my turn and Frieza watches the fighting happening and he thinks well it seems Vegeta still has some loyalty to me and then when Goku is down later he offers to let Vegeta uh, do the coup de grace and kill Goku and become his his, uh, supreme commander of his forces or something like that. And, well, no, (laughs) that's not going to happen. Instead, Vegeta powers up and fights against Frieza. And at that point, Frieza's weakened himself so much you know, fighting against Goku, that it's very one-sided on the side of Vegeta. And of course, then Vegeta goes in to kill Frieza, but Frieza has other ideas, and that's how the Earth is destroyed.
0: Uh, uh, did you see that coming?
1: Um, well, I-, I knew that Frieza was set up to destroy the Earth somehow, but I thought the way that he does it at that point was kind of clever, mm-hmm. but... At the same time, he kind of fake surrenders twice in the film, once Mm -hmm. to Goku and then again to Vegeta. I mean, at at the point where he's fighting against Vegeta, he's literally basically powerless, but he has an out. Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like our tone has just gone like this as we've approached the end of the fight here. Does does the movie feel that way? Was it... Just, mm. just no impact and did you not like it? I guess is the real question there. Not the movie as oh, a whole, I but was, just this. I thought it was
1: entertaining, but I think uh again, you're dealing with the strong suits of the people who are in charge. And Toriyama is at his best when he is writing character interactions and dialogue. Yeah. And as long as we have that kind of interaction, it's really entertaining and it's really fun and it's really uh it's, it's really snappy. But when it gets into just fighting, you know, you don't have the weekly format where you have cliffhangers every week and you don't have mm. the and you don't have a long setup like you do with a weekly manga where it builds and builds and builds and builds to a kind of payoff. It's just over the course of a movie,
0: and he can take his time and change his mind about where a fight might be going.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's easy to read where it's all going and in that respect, it's um it's entertaining, but in some respects it's kind of anticlimactic
0: mm-hmm.
1: because, Oh, I kind of expected this to happen. Okay.
0: Like we know Goku's going to win at the end or Goku and Vegeta either, or we don't, well, we know.
1: Nope. Cause we know uh, in, in another four and a half years, five years that Goku is going to fight against U, but the Butokai, and he's going to yeah, leave yeah. his family. Right. So it, it, we, we, the, the downside of going in into this, um, lost decade is that we know stuff happens after it. So it's not like they're going to die for good.
0: And that's the only thing. It's like, well, no one's going to die. And that takes it back to, and this has been, I know a larger discussion on our forum and other places. What are really the stakes here? There are no stakes, but I'm okay with that. But it it is, uh, this has to wrap up neatly at the end for it to continue onward, so...
1: It's basically the humiliation conga line for Frieza. Sure. He goes in thinking that he's massively powered up and that he is going to uh, get his revenge against Goku and against everybody he loves and against Earth, and instead he's just subjected to just one thing after another, whether it's Bulma calling him an asshole to his face or (laughs) uh, his entire army getting wiped out. And... Not only that, but non-lethally, he actually comments at one point that the son of Son Goku should be able to take them all out basically in an instant. And yet they are not fighting to kill. They're just trying to disable the soldiers so they can't fight.
0: Yeah. You said that Frieza is the one who ends up getting rid of him. You called him an eyesore?
1: Yeah. Huh. And which it's, which really annoys him as well. And then he's you know, his, his vaunted new form is proven to be his weakness and then he's defeated and then he's defeated again. I, everything he does kind of backfires and he just gets one thing after another. It's, it's basically free Frieza, the punching bag movie. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So is Frieza's hubris just one time too many here?
1: Basically, you know, uh, and people commented that, well, He's come back in other situations in anime-only stuff, like Movie right. 12 and GT, and and those times he's basically shown to be not that great against the heroes, and he fares a little better here, but the result is basically the same. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's just too proud for his own good, and he gets hoisted by his own petard. And
0: we have to acknowledge that Toriyama's only ever brought Frieza back once, so that was the yes. cyborg Frieza. So, plan yes. to eradicate the science, uh, Movie 12, GT. I mean, Toriyama is probably aware or was aware at some point that these things existed <laughs> but it's not like he's really thinking about that when right. he's doing his story here
1: yes and I have to admit it's entertaining to watch Frieza get beaten up yeah and, it is <laughs> and and and, and, it, and it is kind of uh, cathartic at the end to get his just desserts yeah but at the same time it felt like it needed more build up hmm. and more tension that the, the beginning of the film rushed a little too much and at those points, it kind of felt like it was a studio-mandated thing more than Toriyama, only because once it got into a particular scene, the, the character interactions resumed and things were got it. good, and then it jumped to something else. Like, well, they were in the middle of a conversation that I don't feel like it quite ended.
0: A description I've seen a lot is, and this is from people who haven't even seen it, so I want you to comment on it, is that the movie felt like a Toei DBZ 1 through 13 kind of movie, except written by Toriyama. I
1: think the structure is kind of similar in that it starts out with the characters in the middle of their everyday lives and then uh, an enemy appears and then they fight the mooks first and then the leader comes out. Except the characters are more in character than they usually are. Mm -hmm. in the toy film and very much the 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 fighting is delayed quite a bit it's at least half an hour before the first real fighting happens and it's at least it's at least halfway through the film before goku and vegeta are even on earth and ready to fight frieza yeah it almost feels like there was lots of stuff from the beginning of the movie that was intended to be there that got cut out because the studio got impatient well why aren't you bringing out the enemy to fight against isn't that what this is here for and so it'd be interesting to see actually if there's an extended version because I think it would actually benefit from having more of that, just ordinary character stuff at the beginning of the film to give it more, I don't want to say weight because weight is not Toriyama, but I don't know,
0: more character. <laughs> Something yeah. Like that. I mean, just like Battle of Gods, where the, most of the extended stuff, I mean, you got like Oolong versus Beerus and that kind of stuff was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pe- people complain that it didn't extend the fight scene, which was relatively short in Battle of Gods, but I think it fleshed out the movie in a way that made it feel more complete. Yeah, I agree. It, it it didn't feel like any of the extended scenes were completely superfluous. They all lent something to the overall arc of the movie, even if it was just to give characters their moment.
0: I think you and I have both commented that the extended version of Battle of Gods actually feels shorter than the theatrical cut, just because everything moves along so much more naturally.
1: Yeah, it, it feels... Uh, like things are going somewhere. And it, it's weird comparing that to the current movie where it also feels shorter than its running time. Mm-hmm. But it almost feels like it's rushing through the entire movie. Like it has more to more to say, but they're, they're laboring under a, a mandated running time or something. The movie feels like it should be longer, like it ought to be longer. Like it feels too short, even though it's longer than the theatrical cut of Battle of Gods.
0: Right, by about 10 minutes or so.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of thing where, yeah, I I, would have preferred a longer film Interesting. if it made it feel more complete uh and it's weird because i didn't notice that so much about battle of gods the first time i saw it but right. on reviewings it became more obvious yeah
0: you can't unsee it now especially with the extended edition <laughs> yeah um i do want to talk uh real briefly about the music to the film before we start wrapping things up um background music just standard sumitomo stuff
1: yeah it's it's inoffensive it's not that noticeable if you're not paying attention to it mm-hmm um most scenes it's just sort of there which i think is the comment that Kay made it's better than the stuff from the boo arc of kai but
0: oh he had a budget uh,
1: yeah well but it's um, it's nondescript it's it doesn't feel like anything in particular even the yamamoto score felt like
0: it felt like dragon it had, ball for sure
1: it had it had its own sort of character to it, even if some of it was not his. Not
0: his, right. So let me ask you, F, uh, sounds like it was used twice?
1: Yes, uh, there's a snippet of it. The vocal version that's used while Frieza is in the healing chamber, being restored to his original body, and it's used again during the fight with Goku versus Frieza, but this time it's just instrumental. Mm-hmm. Both times it felt like they should have either used more of the song or used the, the the surrounding animation to lead in and out of it in some way because both times it kind of feels like it sort of just happens.
0: Yeah, the, the healing tank thing doesn't strike me as an appropriate place for it. See, I kind of assumed, like, start with the healing tank and then maybe give us a training montage? Like, that I could understand.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost like... Oh, well, we've made this movie. Oh, we promised we were going to use this <laughs> song in the movie. Someone and we find a it? spot. Yeah. Huh. Like, oh, oh, that's right. We were supposed to do this. Well, we should.
0: Um, and then the Momoiro Clevercy, it's just the end credits, right?
1: Just the end credits. Yeah. And it it's less stylistically out of place compared to F than I thought. Uh, although it is very much poppy stuff during the chorus. You know, mm-hmm. but it's heavier than I thought it would be.
0: Well, I've got my CD single coming in, so
1: <laughs> I, I'm still sort of ambivalent about it in general. You know how I feel about idol groups, sure. And also, it kind of. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate the reason why F is there, and I, I, I like that Toriyama uh, approves of it. But I also feel like Toei of late has sort of adopted a philosophy similar to. Funimation dubbing the movies in the early part of the 21st century. Okay, kids like this sort of stuff, right? Let's throw it in sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I disagree. Uh, Heath and I talked at length our feelings on the song being used in the film. And that could change when I get a chance to really view it in context. But So we've talked a lot about the story of the film, the choreography, the animation, which just hit upon the music. And as I mentioned, just maybe like five or ten minutes ago, the tone of our conversation really took this downward spiral <laughs> toward the end. Uh, just the, yeah. t- the raw tone of our voice got a little more dismissive and concerned, but overall, it sounds like You actually really enjoyed the film.
1: Yeah, and it's the thing. Again, the characters carry it, and I I really uh, enjoyed actually maybe even more than the main fight, just watching all the different characters have their own little battles. Mm -hmm. That was a really entertaining part of the film, and I know I, I sort of glossed over it in the summary because we were trying to keep it short. And also because <laughs> choreography is really difficult to remember beso- in, instead of plot details. Yeah. Well, well, which arm does he use to do this, and how does he spin them around? I, I don't remember that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe some people do. But, you know, uh, the, there's a lot of little bits, and they all fight with their own particular way. Even, even Jocko being not as strong as the other characters who are present manages to outwit the others several times using a variety of techniques and he gets a pose and he uses ray gun and he also gets to use a shark there's there's a point where he basically oh, how do, he misdirects them he reappears in another spot and then he basically dives into the water to get them to follow him down but the their energy blasts into the water piss off a gigantic sea creature and they swallow it and it swallows them
0: uh so where was i going with this oh right <laughs> so i mean we can't help but compare it to battle of gods so battle of gods really set up this expanded world this expanded universe and i know a lot of people thought that this next movie would continue onward from that would frieza be a new god of destruction like universes and we didn't get any of that at all nope So we kind of have Battle of Gods did its own thing. Revival of F did its own thing. And- I guess they can exist next to each other. Part of me is like, I really wish that Toriyama would just kind of continue with what he's doing. But like you said, that's not what Toriyama does. So I'm almost okay with these two different movies being this is Toriyama coming into someone else's work and expanding the world. This is Toriyama doing a one-shot film. I'm okay with those two existing in and of themselves side by side.
1: Right. Well, it kind of feels like both with the comments that we've had from production staff, uh, I think it was Norihiro Hayashida, the way he talked about the conception of this movie and Toriyama himself, he didn't just think up, oh, I could do another movie out of the blue. He was was sort of encouraged by Toei Animation after the success of the last film to, well... You know, it'd be great if you could write another movie for us. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the result is kind of something that would please the people at Toei Animation. It does definitely has Toriyama's, I guess you could say, thumbprint on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the characters and the way that things develop. But at the same time, the structure is very much a traditional Dragon Ball Z movie from the 1990s late
0: 1980s so you almost have this spectrum of Toriyama doing what he wants to do in a way like Jocko's on one end where it's I came up with this is what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it and then you almost have this new Frieza movie on the other end where it's he's doing what he wants to do but he's like you said, being encouraged to do it. It's kind of mandated that he does do it. But at the same time, he didn't have to. He chose to based off of his working with Battle of Gods. And then that based off of his non involvement with evolution.
1: Yeah. Well, Battle of Gods was an interesting case in that he didn't have to do anything, but he kind of.
0: He just ended up doing it.
1: Yes. Uh, it, it almost seemed like Torishima was maybe angling in his way to get Toriyama on board mm. because he was the one who first showed him the script. Torishima himself maybe didn't approve, and this was his way of yeah, sort of yeah. stoking the fires of Toriyama's own indignation. Because you <laughs> notice... Especially reading through Doctor Slump and the kind of interactions that Toriyama has with Torishima. Torishima was always subtly manipulating him yes, yes. into getting the desired outcome. Okay, well, you don't want to do this. Well, how about we do this? You know what? You can draw this new series for ten weeks, and then you can cancel. It'll be over. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, um, actually, it's too popular. All according to plan. You'll you know? have
0: to keep writing. Please understand.
1: Yes, it, 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 everything like that. But, you know, Toriyama occasionally got his, uh, got back at him by, for example, if he got back a manuscript saying, I, this is rejected, he sometimes waited until the last minute and then submitted the same one.
0: <laughs> it's like, what, well, what are you going to do?
1: I think that's how he got Mashirito into jump in the first place. Probably. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you can sort of tell based on how, I guess, Toriyama-ish something is, how much editorial input he's had. Mm. Because it's it's a double-edged sword. Uh, they tend to tone down the kind of jokey, nonsensical gags and some of the character... In- interactions but at the same time with more editorial input the plot becomes more coherent
0: and by coherence you also kind of mean whether you're saying it or not dry
1: yeah and 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 for me it it feels sort of like it goes between those two extremes Mm. the beginning of the film is very Toriyama the characters are on point the dialogue is very snappy Everything is entertaining just by being what it is, even though the plot is not necessarily driving forward. Right, uh, And it feels like that's where a lot of the cuts happen, maybe because, uh, if, if there are cuts, in fact, because it's my assumption, maybe because, you know, the higher-ups decided, well, the plot's not moving along quickly enough. But then when it gets to the plot plot and things just kick into high gear, then suddenly it just feels less... Less of a thing like there's not as much to keep it going because the characters aren't talking as much they're not having as much fun
0: we really need camping trip the movie
1: exactly i i would i would i would pay to have a movie of the just the beginning of movie five or even dragon ball dragon ball z movie three yeah, before three five, the enemy yeah. shows up yeah well what about their camping trip we never get to see what happens in the camping trip damn it <laughs>
0: Oh, all right. Let's bring it to a close, because, I mean, this is only the beginning of our coverage. You'll probably be seeing it at least one more time. Uh, The preview screening over in L.A. is, what, like this week, next week? So, Uh,
1: Yes. And there's a funny thing about that, is they first announced it in Japan, in Tokyo, on the day of the first preview screening. And it was treated like nobody's ever heard this in the world. And I think, Uh Japan, is that just that insular isn't it you know like, this was news a couple weeks earlier in the u.s and
0: well and then funimation also announced it as the world premiere even though it was going to be airing in japan earlier today well
1: yeah but it they they, they had the same uh wording for it in japan too they gotcha. said it was going to be the world premiere so i think they're not trying to say that it's the earliest screening everywhere i think they're trying to say it's sort of the the international coming out of the movies so to speak.
0: Frieza arrives at the debutante ball, comes out in his golden gown. (laughs) Of course. Uh, All right, so... What I'm getting at is go, there's going to be much more free to talk on the podcast in the future uh, until the uh, the larger screenings across North America and hopefully internationally. Um, if we do any more topics about the movie, which, which we probably won't until the theatrical screenings, we'll, uh, we'll also give you fair warning about, hey, we're talking about it now. Um, so we don't really want to throw the spoilers in your. But if you're listening to this, what's it matter? You've already heard all this. So who am I even talking to anyway? but we will come back and do a, another review after heath jake and i get a chance to see it very strange we'll be seeing it theatrically dubbed before we see it uh home video uh, in japanese as we did with battle of gods so that'll be very different so i guess look yeah. forward to more coverage julian thank you for checking out the film everything that you did yes. to get in to go see it
1: oh absolutely And I'm going to be seeing it again, this time in 3D on opening day. And who who knows, maybe I'll even get to see it in English this summer.
0: Yeah, that's right. We'll work on (laughs) it. All right. We'll do a large gathering. It'll be lovely.
1: Oh, that could be fun.
0: Uh, Julian, thank you, sir.
1: It's my pleasure, as always.
0: All right. So that's Julian. My name is Mike. This has been episode 378 of our podcast. Apologies for recording the Skype call, but I think it's going to sound kind of okay. Apologies for a little bit of a mucousy voice in me. I'm getting over something again. Hopefully this is like we had the last snow of the season. Hopefully this is the last sinus infection of the season. We can well, all my move whole past family too. our long national, international nightmare, apparently. Uh, we will persevere. Thank you.
1: It's my pleasure, as always. Uh, I guess. Who are you saying? Are, are you thanking the audience? I don't, I don't know.
0: know. I'm, I'm just thanking everyone. It's like a, a plural you. It goes out to uh, everyone.
1: I'd like to thank all the little people.
0: That's right. And they are Julie, and they're all little people.
1: <laughs> is, it, is it like the Wizard of Oz or what?
0: Yes. What is happening? The show is over. This is 378. We'll see you next time, whenever that is, for 379. www.kanzhuu.com. We'll see you then. Peace out, Julian. Wrap it up.
1: Okay. Thank you for listening to this week's spoilerific edition of Consent You, the podcast. Check us out again.